three, two, one. Welcome to the Center Bench Sports Podcast, where four washed-up athletes now sit around and scrutinize sports. Starting at Center Bench, you have Mikey, Luke, Peo, and myself, Luca. What's going on? Episode five, we made it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to paint a picture for the listeners of, of what just happened previous to this. Matt came over to me and gave me a $100 bill from our AFC South bet, so... <laughs> hundred dollars richer i'm surprised it didn't come in pennies but i appreciate the support matt and for those of of you who haven't listened to previous episodes matt and i made the bet where matt took the colts to win the afc south and i took the titans so as you know there was a was a nail biter in the titans game against the texans and this was before the season started and this is when everyone was so high on tennessee after what they did last year right so um watching that game like the back and forth between i think i texted luke seven times congrats i'll give you the money on tuesday (laughs) followed by i I thought i won yeah going back and forth back and forth the 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 bet like it couldn't have ended any other way like the based on the back and forth all season you and i had based off the back and forth and the luck that i usually have it was only fitting that i was (laughs) gonna lose it with a field goal off the post and in yeah with no time left it's hilarious after giving up a 58 yard pass no i will admit that the colts they, they had a good season they exceeded expectations i think uh, you guys want to make another bet steelers and colts who goes further <laughs> i, I think they both lose in the, <laughs> their Ooh. first game but <laughs> really wow, wow. I, th- I think we get into that a little bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's hold your horses there Pale. yeah uh, that's a little upset shall we get started <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get started, boys? Yeah, let's do it. We remember all the times we So to open up uh, this week's episode, we're going to kick off with our center bench yearbook superlatives. Uh, we have six here that we can choose from. The first one that we have for the boys, most likely to wait a full 30 minutes after eating to go in the pool. Your options are A, Zach Hyman. B, Roger Federer. C, Larry Fitzgerald. Luke, I'm going to you first. Um, I think I would go Larry Fitzgerald. The guy is so by the book, so straight edge. I feel like I, I can see his like friends egging him on to get in the pool, and he's like, no, son, I'm going to sit out here and wait my 30 minutes. I just feel like he's he's so straight edge, and he's, he gets my vote. Yeah, I agree with Luke on this one. Uh, he doesn't. You don't play that many years in the NFL without being disciplined too, yeah. And not, you know, being tempted by those kind of uh, guilty pleasures and what whatnot. So I think uh, he's most. Roger Federer doesn't strike me as somebody that really plays by the rules. Um, yeah. And Hyman, no, I, I don't know. Hyman's always ready to get down and dirty whenever. <laughs> I don't think he's he's waiting. I'm I'm with Luke on this one. I'm going with Zach Hyman. Um, Zach Hyman just seems like the nicest guy in the world. You never hear about him getting into any trouble. Um, the guy writes children's storybooks. Um, so, you know, he's kind of going to be following the rules. He's not one to break anything. He's by the book. Um, so I'm going with Zach Hyman. I totally agree with you, Peo. He's, he looks very vanilla. Actually, just a quick stat. 20, in 2010, he was chosen for the most gentlemanly player <laughs> of, of the year. So for sure. Yeah, that solidifies it for me then. Second one that we have on the list um, and I've always been one to be like, if I ever seen this in a restaurant, I don't really know what I would do. Um, but most likely to send a bottle of wine back at a restaurant. Your options are A, Alex Rodriguez, B, Tom Brady, C, Floyd Mayweather. I'm going 
a rod 100%. I think he's probably the biggest diva that sports has ever seen, maybe outside of Cristiano Ronaldo. I feel like he enjoys fine wine and he's a big enough of a dick to send a, a bottle back. <laughs> the, the waitress comes over and, and gives him a glass and asks him to taste it, and he just looks at her straight face and says, No, this one's going back. <laughs> I, I, I'm going with Tom Brady. The way that guy snaps when something doesn't go his way or yeah. if people aren't performing the way they should be, the way he's just grilling at his teammates. It's kind of the same reasons you said for A-Rod. Like I, I can just see Tom Brady getting that glass of wine, spitting it out, and just yelling at the waiter or waitress to send it back over. Um, so I'm going with Tom Brady. It's 50-50 for me, but I think I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Like you said, Pei, when things go wrong. He'll send a bottle of wine for sure. I don't know. I'm going to have to agree with Luke again on this one. I'm going with A-Rod. I don't know. He's known as the biggest D-bag in sports. Yeah, he's done a lot in the past couple of years being with Barstool. I think he's done a lot for his reputation and dating J-Lo. It's all helped him. Um, but you just don't. Tiger doesn't just shed his stripes like that. I think yeah. he still has that in him. So uh, I'm with Luke on this one in A-Rod. Question for the boys: Would any of you send a bottle of wine back at a restaurant? No, I don't. I don't have it in me <laughs> unless unless I was having an absolute terrible experience there, and like the waitress was super rude or whatever. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't have the guts to do it. I would. I would love to, <laughs> but, but only if I was right. Yeah. yeah, and if it's like this is not what it, I think, like what it should taste like, and I right. know what it tastes like, I would love to do that, yeah. but. Like I would only want to do it for something. the yeah the right reasons. It'd definitely be a big dick move to do. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> like and then table of twelve, you're just like, oh, no. I really like yeah. it. It's not really okay to me. And like, and they come back and like, sorry, sir, that, that we were incorrect yeah. on yeah. that one. Like, yeah. the, this is well, blah blah blah. Something was wrong with it for sure. I think me, Matt, we saw that <laughs> it, did. in it, the Amalfi Coast. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were we were on a date night in the Amalfi Coast. <laughs> and just me and Matt, the guitar player, was playing <laughs> yeah. beside us, and we just watched a guy send a bottle of wine back. Uh, all right, uh, next one here. Most likely to clean. Most likely to only clean their toilet when guests co- are coming over. Your options are: A. Patrick Reed, B. Joel Embiid, C. Gardner Minshew. I'm gonna go with Gardner Minshew. The guy just looks like a frat boy, and it's like he reminds me of like a Guelph University student who lives in like a twelve. Males, all male student house that like they they barely even clean yeah. and there's like beer bottles on the ceiling and yeah he, I, he doesn't even look like he showers. I do love his mustache though, so could have. Yeah, seen. I'm going Patrick Reed for sure though. Like I, that guy's the biggest slob I think in in all of golf and maybe all of sports. He, he can't even t- chuck his shirt in properly half the time. He's got like one piece hanging out. He just looks like a slob. I'm agreeing with Luca Gardner Minshew. <laughs> I think you said it perfectly, that whole frat boy vibe. Um, so yeah, I'm going to choose my pick. Okay, I'll go off the board here. I'll go with uh, Embiid just because I feel like he won't, He doesn't even know how. <laughs> and, like, it's such a chore for him to get down on that level <laughs> to clean the toilet. Yeah, It's like, and he, I don't know, I don't feel like he would spend much time at his house either. So he wouldn't even be using the toilet a lot. Yeah. But when his friends come over, he's he would get all embarrassed. And yeah, like he's not something he's doing without his friends coming over because it's quite a task for him. Yeah, he, need, he would need like a nine foot extender yeah. pole to, to clean his <laughs> toilet. That's a good point. Um, the next one that we have here, and I hope none of us on the bench are guilty of this. Um, most likely to drink milk with their dinner. <laughs> yeah, disgusting. <laughs> a Alex Caruso, point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers. B Jeff Skinner. 
see Tim Duncan. <laughs> I don't know. Those ones, that I, I'm going with Tim Duncan. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's disgusting. And I, I know some people that do have milk, like with whatever. It's like steak. There's a glass of milk there. It's, But yeah, I'm going with Tim Duncan. I don't know. That was just the first thought that came to mind for me. Yeah, I'm going Tim Duncan for sure. I, anytime I picture Tim Duncan <laughs> yeah. sipping on a glass of milk at the table, it just it seems too right. Like I can see that guy just having a big gulp and asking for the next glass. Um, it's just too perfect, Tim Duncan drinking milk at a dinner table. I'm going with Jeff Skinner, um, good old Canadian boy. Um, just with the name Jeff Skinner, that just screams like pure mungy. Um, so, you know, it's not like a European where... He's having a nice beverage with it. Um, you know, like hockey players doing anything they can to make sure their bones are intact, strong. Um, so I'm going with uh, Jeff like Calcium. All right, this next one that we have, most likely to do body shots at the bar. Your options are A, Rob Gronkowski, B, Alex Ovechkin, C, Brooks Kepka. That's an easy one for me. It's Rob Gronk for sure. The guy's, again, frat boy, party boy. I have a quick story. Remember Peo in Toronto? <laughs> we were coming out of the LCBO on King Street. Yeah. And all we hear out of nowhere is, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> we turn we turn around, and sure enough, it's Gronk and his bros. No just, way. Yeah. Before that, I think we were like, who the fuck is that yeah. loser? What a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, typical King Street yeah. fuck boy on Toronto. But sure enough, it was fucking Gronk riding no his way. little city bikes. Yeah. It was him and his boys and his brothers. And then they went to Cali Love to yeah. get a smoothie so, bowl. Yeah, so what were they doing? I never heard that story It was um, yeah. NFL, PA, yeah, Canadian yeah. football thing. And huh. I think OBJ was in the city too, but we didn't see him obviously. Wow. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, for me, it's it's hard not to go Rob Gronkowski. Like, borderline when Alex Ovechkin, but Rob Gronkowski is the biggest party animal slash fun guy I've, I think I've ever seen in sports. Um, total frat boy, so I think he's taking body shots. Just to be different, and like, yeah, it's hard to argue with Rob Gronkowski. I'm going with Alex Ovechkin. The way that guy celebrated when they won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> that He was everywhere. He was swimming in the water at fountains in the public. Yeah, he probably didn't even shower. Probably had milk with his dinner too. Um, yeah, Ovechkin's just a partier. When he's when he's in the groove, there's no stopping him. Um, so I'm going with Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ovi too. I think he really embraced and winning that cup, and you could just tell it was like truly emotional. Um, so I'm going with Ovi. All right, our last one here. I'll, I'll take my time reading it so I can paint the picture properly. And this is one I'm. My, me myself I'm very guilty of shout out Nick Sav you know exactly what I'm talking about <laughs> uh, most likely to go in for a fist bump when the other person is going in for a handshake <laughs> your options are A. Yao Ming <laughs> B. Sean Monahan, C. Eli Manning Ooh, this is a good one <laughs> and going to go with Eli on this he just looks very awkward to me like yeah simple and easy it's Eli I was laughing the most at Yao Ming so I, I feel like I have to to go with him I feel like he'd be super awkward especially because he's probably nine feet taller than the, than the other person so I, I can't imagine that guy having or shaking hands with someone with ease so I'm going Yao Ming this is a tough one between Yao and Eli. Um, I'm probably going to go with Eli as well. Uh, I'm going to go lean Eli as well. 
I got one for you, Bale. Most likely to run a pyramid scheme. <laughs> my my vote is Doug Peterson. The, you know, it's uh, if you guys watched, uh, was it Sunday night? Yeah. AKA the Con Bowl or the Nate Gate. Uh, Washington pulls out a victory, twenty to fourteen, against the Eagles to advance to the playoffs. Uh, Doug Peterson yanked Hurts in the fourth quarter for Nate Sudfield, the third-string quarterback who turned it over twice and finished with 32 passing yards and a quarterback rating of two. Doug Peterson, after the game, said he was coaching to win the game. Questionable. What's everyone's thoughts on Doug Peter- Peterson's move? Was the fix in, boys? Before we dive into it, all I was thinking about, too, is what, what would Luca be doing if that was the Cowboys? Mm-hmm. If the Cowboys that beat the Giants, be- what would you be doing? I wouldn't be here. I'd be on Suicide Watch. <laughs> I was, when I saw that, I'm like, fuck, I really wish the Cowboys won. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, the Cowboys win. fans yeah. would have been fucking... I would have lost my mind. Yeah. <laughs> to answer the question... I don't think there was like the fix was in. Um, I definitely don't believe Peterson's explanation on him trying to win the game. That's 100% bullshit. But I don't think there was like a grand scheme to get the Washington football team into the playoffs and screw over the Giants. Yeah. Like, I I guess first addressing like the backlash that from the Giants players and from Joe Judge, like I understand where they're coming from. And like when you put yourself in their position and even the fans position, I think they have every right to be frustrated. If you're a competitor, you should be. Um, But at the same time, I have a message for Joe Judge and the Giants and all their annoying fans. Win more games. You had probably the easiest opportunity in NFL history to get in the playoffs in one of the worst divisions in football. And you won six games. If we're talking about um, taking accountability and and taking things into your own hands, go out and win more ball games and not expect to get into the playoffs winning six games. Sure, you can talk it's anti-competitive, whatever, for, for Doug Peterson to... Uh, not play starting quarterback but when has it ever been normal to play your starters in week 17 right there's a there's a reason why fantasy doesn't go that late and it's because it's notorious for people to take their starters out in games to rest them to do whatever to get better looks at other players regardless of the reason and to be honest if the giants get in they're not making any noise right there's no way they go into tampa bay and beat tampa bay and then go into green bay and beat green bay so if anything the eagles did them a favor and i think it's time for them to shop and move on yeah, no, you made a lot of good points there, but I just I was totally against what he did. Um, I think like I just what message does that send to your players, all the other players that you ask to give everything, and especially in this kind of year, they had to opt in to play. They had to make a lot of sacrifices. They went through a lot of more protocols. They traveled differently. They couldn't see family members, all that stuff, and then you pull that kind of stunt. Like in return for them giving you their all and their hearts to play for you you have to put them in the best position to succeed and to win as a team and when he did that he failed to he failed all of them you saw hurts on the bench saying this this is not right and it wasn't it wasn't right it wasn't right i don't care who gets in the redskins the eagles the cowboys doesn't matter you have to you should play the game the right way to the very end and he didn't do that and I'm a firm believer that karma is going to come back and there's going to be the boots going to be on the other foot and he's going to get it right in the ass. And I can't wait. I, I agree with everything you said, Mikey, <clears throat> just in terms of like the culture they're trying to build over there. That, that's just a losing culture yeah. with that. But I think, Luke, you nailed it 100 percent perfectly. Yes, they shouldn't have done. It. I think we all agree they probably shouldn't have done it. But the Giants have no right to bitch and complain the way Joe Judge is. And 
blaming everything that they didn't make the playoffs because of that reason. As yeah. you said, Luke, you're six and ten. You don't deserve to be in the playoffs anyways. I think it was after like week eleven, they had every chance, like you said, to win a game. I think in their previous three games before the Philly game or previous four, they only scored twenty three points total yeah. in those games combined. So you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Take accountability. You didn't make the playoffs because you weren't good enough. Plain yeah. and simple. I think him making a statement is actually really good for the locker room. Him standing up yeah. for their team. But at the same time, I think part of his message should have been, at the same time, we didn't do our job this season. Exactly. Like I think Doug Peterson is taking a lot of the fire right now, but maybe it wasn't his decision, <laughs> right? The way that they did it was wrong. Like mm-hmm. if, if I'm sitting in their shoes, what I do is I sit from the start of the game earlier in the week and say, I'm playing Nate Sudfield. Yeah. In the second, even in, I'm playing yeah, in the second, second half. half. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. And the reasons are I'm protecting Jalen Hurts from getting hurt yeah, and exactly. I want to evaluate 100% him. agree. I think there's way less of it. But I think the fact that it was a close game and then he randomly put him yeah. out that he, they, did, they went about it wrong. It's now time for the bench's playoff picks. We will be picking our winners from the wildcard round all the way to the big daddy of them all, the Super Bowl. Uh, so, boys, let's get started with the wildcard matchup. We're going to go with the AFC. we got a matchup with the Colts, Pale, <laughs> and uh, the Bills, at the Bills. I think with or without Bills Mafia, I have a hard time seeing the, the Colts beating the Bills. The Bills' offense has just been on absolute fire. Like, they just absolutely torch Miami who's a top three defense in the league in a do or die game, right? So I thought that was very impressive. I thought they were kind of lucky to get out of that with no uh, significant injuries to my knowledge, Um, but I definitely have the bills in this one. Yeah, as much as it pains me to say, um, I can't see anyone really slowing down Buffalo's offense, as you said, Luke, especially how inconsistent Indy's D has been. I've been pretty happy with the offense from Indy, whether it's uh, Rivers, he's been okay, like he's as billed. Uh, but the receiving core, like T.Y. Hilton, has come to life the last few weeks. Michael Pittman seems like he's the real deal. Uh, Zach Pascal is contributing. Um, where I think Indy has a chance is if maybe weather plays a factor and maybe Josh Allen isn't able to sling the ball and they got to rely on the run because Jonathan Taylor, other than Derrick Henry, I don't see any running back that's been better than him in the past six to seven weeks. He's been on a tear right now. If Indy starts... Uh, giving him the ball more and not relying on Rivers as much. Um, and again, if weather plays a factor, I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people think. Indy has the offense to potentially um, keep up to a certain extent with Buffalo. I think I do agree with you, though, Pale. I think it, it is going to be tight. I mean, like, I'll say this. On paper, the Colts do have a recipe to beat the Bills. They yeah. have a fantastic young running back. They have a capable veteran, and I put in quotation marks capable, uh, and, a, and a high-end defense. So if the Bills are going to lose, I, I'm not saying they will. On paper, the Colts have, have, a, have a chance for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not a Colts believer this year. Like I said before, I don't think their defense is like top tier. I think it's more of a middle middle defense type defense. I don't see a way that Buffalo loses, but you never know. So our next wild card matchup in the AFC is Baltimore versus Tennessee, and they're playing at Tennessee. What do you guys think? I'm going Ravens on this one. Ravens have been rolling. Uh, it seems like their offense, um, they figured out the recipe for Lamar Jackson uh, to be successful uh, from the past couple of weeks. Tennessee's defense, like... They just gave up, what, was it 35 points to Houston, a banged-up Houston offense? They haven't been able to slow any offense down, let alone a dynamic one with Lamar Jackson running the ball. Um, so for those reasons, I'm going with the Ravens. 
Yeah, I think the Ravens have been rolling, and they've been rolling over some horrible defenses. And I think, unfortunately, for the Titans, they're another horrible defense for the Ravens to to come across. So, unfortunately, I have to go um, with the division rival. I, I think the Ravens take the Titans in this game. Um, I'm going to go with Tennessee. I think they did it last year. Uh, they have the formula. I think the Ravens, yeah, they are rolling uh, as of late, but their last... I guess five games before they got in the playoffs Bengals, Giants, Jaguars, Browns, and Cowboys. And yeah, they've won five straight, but those aren't um, any good teams in my books. The Browns are a good team, uh, and that was a close game. They, they probably should have lost that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if Tennessee can play their game and get Henry out on top, um, being at home might help a little bit. I like to pick some kind of upsets. I don't think like everything's going to go by the favorites. I think it comes so you have to pick a couple. And there's like I, looking at the other ones, there's not too many that I like. So I'm going to go with Tennessee sort of as the upset this week. I have to disagree with you, Mikey. I don't see the Titans actually beating the Ravens in the playoffs two times in a row, in a, two years in a row. Um, like Peo said, their D can't stop a fucking nosebleed. I also think that the Ravens D will control Derrick Henry, and this will be. I think a big thing in this game too, speaking about uh, the Colts getting behind early, I think for either team, uh, whoever gets behind early is going to have a hard time coming back. So uh, to score points early, get that lead early is going to be huge in this one. Our last wildcard matchup is Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Uh, Luke, we'll start off with you in this one. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I have to go with with my Steelers. I don't think there's any scenario where I'd pick against them. But um, I think even logically in this game, I really like the way the Steelers came out to play, and the Browns didn't show much where the Steelers had three of their four pro bowlers out, and, and Mason Rudolph was marching down the field. I think that defense is, is very weak. I think the Steelers' offense comes out to play. Um, they got rolling finally in the second half against the Colts, and I think they can continue some of that momentum. Um, and even if they do get off to a slow start, I think um, they have enough juice and, and firepower to come out in the second half and to beat a, Cleveland, a bad Cleveland defense. Yeah, no, I'm on the Steelers as well. Um, when it first came out this week, the spread was at around three and a half, four, and that was my favorite spread of the week. Steelers minus three and a half, four. Uh, with all this COVID news and now the Browns coach having and some other staff members and who knows what else comes, jumped all the way to six. Mm-hmm. I don't love it at that number, but I just think the Steelers are a veteran team. I don't think the Browns are ready for this just yet. Now it's playoff time, and I think the Steelers show uh, that they've been there and done that before, and, and, the, and the Browns haven't. I'm going. I'm going Cleveland. I'm almost obligated. <laughs> I said it 14 weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of obligated now because when Steelers were 11 and 0, I said they won't win a playoff game, so I kind of have to ride that. Not, not that I love this matchup, um, but uh, Cleveland. I think the biggest thing that's holding them back in this matchup is their defense, as you guys pointed out. Um, but if they can kind of get behind Miles Garrett. Um, and he kind of leads that defense. When it comes to the offense, I think they're pretty evenly matched. Baker, he's distributing the ball to Nick Chubb um, or Kareem Hunt in the run game. So I think their run game is 20 times better than what the Steelers have. They don't really have a run game. Um, Again, don't love this pick, but as long as Cleveland's defense comes to play, um, I think they'll pull pull off the upset. Uh, We discussed the AFC wildcard. Let's move it to the NFC wildcard. We'll start off with, I think this is an easy matchup for the Saints, but it's the Chicago Bears versus the Saints in New Orleans. What do you guys think? I'm going uh, Saints. Um, although, again, like even like I, I, when we're talking the spread, like I think 10 is a, is a big number. Um, I think 
Bears will cover that just because they do have a strong defense. But yeah, you know, I just I just think the Saints need to get healthy and survive this week against the Bears, and they're probably you know, get by this week by, by missing a few of these players. Like, There's no way I'm getting behind Turbinski at all. I mean, if you guys watched the game last week, he's horrible. I, I, just, I can't get behind him. Uh, and for that fact, I, I'm, I think it's going to be a beatdown. I think it's going to get scary quick. Yeah, I, I think the Saints, but I actually think it might, like I think Peo said, it might be closer than what we perceive to be. I think for whatever reason, the Bears have played a lot of teams tight or or beat teams. Uh, where they probably shouldn't have so um i have the saints but i'm, I'm probably taking plus 10 on the, on the bears yeah no i'm i agree with luke and Peo on this one i i'm gonna take the saints um but i'm a fan of the plus 10 especially if camara doesn't play you know if the the bears can get off to a hot start their defense can force i would say they probably need two to three turnovers uh to give mitch some short, short fields mm-hmm. um i could see them winning but I would like it a lot more if Camaro is out too and Michael Thomas. Uh, I think that really handicaps the Saints' offense. Let's go with the Washington uh, at Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay, for me, I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, even without Mike Evans, not sure if he's going to be playing or not, but Bucks should have no problem rolling over Washington. I think it's going to be close. Um, I think the Washington defense, you can't really discredit them. Um, and Tom Brady hates being blitzed and pressured, and I, I feel like Tampa Bay will win. I'm not saying that they they won't, uh, but I feel like it's going to be a close score. This one I actually thought about longer than than maybe you guys did. I am going with the Bucks, but something that interesting that I pulled up. Sorry, when the Bucks have played a top ten defense, they they're only one in four. But I do think the Bucks unfortunately come away with a win. This one's I think is going to be closer than most people think. Washington is at home, which you, when you think of the game, like you're like, oh, Tampa's at home. They're going to be the higher seed, like they're a better team. But no, Washington somehow got or won the AFC least. Um, and I like Luke's stat about the defense. I think when the big thing is to get pressure on Brady. When you've seen him get consistently get pressured, he doesn't seem to have the same pocket presence as he used to. I don't know if it's like the offense, the not having Sean McDaniel, McDaniel's um, by his side, or no Julian Edelman or Belichick, whatever it is, he, it seems to really b- bother him this time. Uh, with the Bucks uh, against the Rams, I watched that. It was a Monday night game, um, and the Rams consistently got pressure on him, and he looked like a different quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Washington can. Is their offense good enough though? I think it's going to take at least twenty-four points to win. Yeah. Are they going to get that against the Bucks defense, who I think is a good defense? Yeah, good point. And so I think it's more like a 21-17 Bucks win. The, our last matchup for the wild card round is Rams versus Seahawks. Um, they're playing in Seattle. What do you guys think? I, this was the toughest game yeah. for yeah. me. Um, but I went Seahawks because right now it's unknown that Jared Goff is going to play. And I think if he does play in a rainy city like Seattle – um, he probably is not playing at 100%. Um, and not that, like I mentioned before, not that he's been winning them games, but I think Seattle has been kind of catching a little fire at the right time here. Their office has been rolling, so I think they have enough to beat the Rams. Yeah, this was the toughest game for me. Uh, Luke, you, you said it exactly how I was thinking. Um, if Jared Goff was at 100%, ideal conditions, maybe I'm more inclined to take the Rams. But 
Um, I like the Rams. I don't know. I was a believer of the Rams um, back early on in the season after they beat Tampa Bay, after they cleaned out New England. Uh, the past couple of weeks, they haven't looked great, you know, losing to the Jets, then uh, losing to Seattle in Seattle. Um, but I'm going to go with the Rams. I think Seattle's defense has been getting a little bit too much love as of late. I don't think they're that good of a defense. Um, and I think McVay can find a way. Goff has to play, obviously. But yeah. um, with Goff and the two wide receivers and Cup and Woods and the, the trio of running backs they have, um, to, to, to expose the defense of Seattle. I think it is important, though. You, we, I need some points out of the defense. I need... A uh, couple turnovers with short fields or like a pick six or a big, uh, you know, pick when uh, Seattle's in the red zone to take some points away. I think they that that's a key to the Rams winning. And I think that defense can do it. It's shown it. They have a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball with Ramsey. He's shown he can shut down Metcalf pretty good. Uh, Donald's, you know, top notch, one of the best out there. And they have a lot of other nice secondary pieces too. Uh, and they all, they seem to play well as a unit. Would you guys want to smoke in a pancake? Or how about a pancake parlay, boys? Ladies and gentlemen, the bench is happy to announce after winning our two game parlay, we are adding one more flapjack this week to make it a three game parlay. Let's go. Reminder. For the audience listening, we all have to agree on all the games, and we all have to lock it in. If we lose, we start back from the scratch at a two-game parlay next week. So, you guys ready to roll or what? The one thing I'm going to say versus what we said last week, last week we only discussed point spreads. Um, And then just looking at the feasibility of the pancake parlay going forward, we won't be able to pick any basketball games because the spreads don't come out until like the the day before. So uh, we're going to put money lines on the table in the pancake. We want to give the listeners a chance to piggyback and make some money as well. Yeah, exactly. All these. All right. So I actually want to win some good money here. We don't have to win crazy amounts. So let's go with two spreads and then we can go with a money line that we all agree on. Cool. So then, two two, we can do two football game spreads, and then yeah. This week, well, let's let's use football as long as we can. Yeah. When we have to go to the NBA and the NHL, we will. Cool. You guys like the uh, the Bears plus ten over the Saints? I like it. I'm just. (laughs) (laughs) You have the balls for it. (laughs) I know. I almost like the Ravens minus three better. Really? I don't think Mikey's going to hop on board with that. I just think like 10's a big number, especially in the playoffs with like a pretty good defense and some uncertainty with the Saints offense. Yeah. Is, there, is there, though? They rushed six. Michael Thomas isn't playing. Camaro's questionable. I, th- I think Camaro plays. Yeah, I think he plays. I like the Bills minus six and a half. Same. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I don't, I don't you, you think, think it's going to be less than a six and a half point game? I think it'll, I think it'll be under seven. I don't think it's going to be more than a touchdown. We all like I, Bills I, money line. I Let's like just the stack bill, the first like pancake. The, it's good to get a good base yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. I would say Bills money. Uh, line. Put a little bit of syrup on there. Yeah. I think like when we all said our bet, like we all said like we think Chicago Saints is going to be close. Why all of a sudden now we all think? Yeah. Like, no, I. I, I, I yeah, think, for you. Yeah, I think it. I think it's going to be close. And I would bet on it but outside why, of the pancake parlay. I don't, I don't, but I just, I don't the pancake parlay is important why, here. Why, why is he going to be close? Defense is that why? Like you know, Mitchell can't throw the fucking ball. I mean, they've been the Bears have been they putting up points. Uh, like they, I guess so. But you know, Sean Payton's going to bring the heat. 
Yeah. I see this one being similar to the Green Bay game that the Bears just played. I think they can keep it close, but then eventually yeah, at some true. point, the, away, yeah. like yeah, yeah like That's the Saints might me. pull away. That's what scares me. True. We're <laughs> okay. So just to recap: Bills money line. <laughs> Bills money line. <laughs> so Saints money line. <laughs> Let's just go the easy route. Saints money line and segment. Why don't we go the under then? The under is at forty-five. Oh, okay. I love playing total under. That's my I'm shit. shit I, I I don't like it. I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a huge oh. fan of it. My bread and but butter. it might be easier to agree on something. True, the way, that's the way fair. we're talking. Yeah, that could be a game that's under. Yeah, I think out of the over and unders, I like over forty seven in the Bears Saints. Over forty seven, the Bears. Yeah, it goes to the point where they kind of hang in there, but they fall off in, yeah. in the second half. I agree with that. Yeah, let's go with that. All right. Okay, so this week's pancake is Bills money line, Seattle minus four, and over forty-seven points in the Chicago Bears versus the New Orleans Saints game, and the payout on twenty dollars is ooh ninety-six this week. Ooh. ooh. All right, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. Locked in. Same. All around the world. Uh, to the beach, With the first few weeks of the NBA under our belts and some hot and disappointing starts, <coughs> Raptors, uh, let's dive into some basketball, boys. Did you guys see Curry drop 62 the other night? Very impressive. I saw, I saw a great meme. Him, it was like him and Draymond Green and that combined for 63 points. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was this narrative that like Steph was struggling to start the season? Wasn't he averaging like 26 points a game yeah. in his first few games? No, I, yeah, I think they were losing and he wasn't putting up the numbers or the three shots that he normally does, but... I, I I'm starting to I used to hate Steph Curry earlier on in his career, but I'm I'm getting to start to like him. Like I think I love how he responds to the hate and criticism, and good for him for putting up 62. They actually took him out, or he didn't start the fourth quarter. He was out for like four and a half minutes. That was a little disappointing because I thought he could have maybe dropped 70. Yeah, when he when he gets going, to me is the best shooter I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah, just pure shooter. Yeah, like when he's hot, he's unguardable. Yeah. He, you want to get up in his face, he'll just step back two yeah. feet and sink it from that or range. Half, yeah. yeah, like he he's from like almost half court. Yeah, he's yeah. like in between the three line and half court yeah. sometimes. And it's just like, boom. There was a crazy series I was watching when him and Dame were going back and forth where Steph comes down, like drops one. The Dame comes down, like deep three drops one. Then Steph comes down again. <laughs> he, he missed the shot, but it was fun to watch. They were just going at each other. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it was, it was cool to witness um and and good for him for coming back what do you think of the standing so far so there's there are some disappointment disappointments like when you look at the record of the nets they're three and four is there a reason to to hit the panic button on the nets you think uh i don't think there's a reason to hit the panic button just yet i think mikey said in his predictions before the season like it takes some time for like the chemistry uh Mm -hmm. to develop um i wouldn't be too concerned although Durant's going to be out for four games because of COVID protocols, so that's yeah. kind of shit. But there goes Miami. Yeah, <laughs> he's still um, third favorite in MVPs. Right yeah, now. like I think I think Brooklyn's going to be fine. Um, I think the biggest concern, and just because we're all from the air, but like the Raptors at one and five. Yeah. Last week I was on record. I think Luke, you were too, saying no, 
not yet any time no cause for concern as of yet but like they they've shown absolutely no signs of any optimism that they're going to turn this around um i think the only bright spot has been freddie mm-hmm. um other than that like norm's playing terrible i think norm's shooting 23 percent around the rim yeah like that's unacceptable to me he might be a bigger disappointment than siakam norm, norm yeah Powell. like when you think about the role he was supposed to play this year but yeah they were thinking like norm might contend for the best the six man of the year award yeah he's right? trying to steal my award <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i don't know like i guess since i brought up siakam like what, what do you think are you guys super concerned like what do you yeah what I'm, I'm starting to get concerned I'm, I'm totally done with him yeah like I, I, i've tried giving him the benefit of the doubt but i i think i've lost confidence in him just because the, i think mikey you were saying like yesterday in the group chat it's just completely unacceptable to show up to start a game or to start a season and you're not ready to go like and that's yeah. twice now and, that, and that's twice like coming out of the bubble starting the bubble and then now this season you can question like skill all that stuff yeah that comes but work ethic like that's inexcusable yeah um and he's never going to be your franchise face of the franchise number one guy at best i think we said his ceiling was an all-star raptors are not winning anything with pascal siakam as their number one plain and simple yeah at this point, I don't even think the Rockets will make that hardened trade for Siakam. Yeah, like maybe you look around the league and Siakam might start to lose his value too, right? The thing yeah, is, though, you can't trade Siakam unless you get a big in return. Because yeah. who are you going to replace him with, right? Like you need someone. What I will say, though, and like this isn't excusing his poor play, but it's six games, right? So like if this six games happens in the middle of the season, it probably doesn't get talked about. The reason it's getting talked about is because they're one in five to start the season, right? And the bubble's way too fresh in everyone's memory. For sure. I think even so though, like, do you think Raptors are winning anything with Pascal Siakam as their no. best player? I said, I said that not. before. I, well, I don't think he was the best player. I thought Kyle Lowry's their best player on the team, but with that, with the starting five, I don't see them winning. I think, th- I think their biggest problem we're starting to like, at first I wasn't worried about Serge and Mark leaving, but when Pascal Siakam is your only big that can score and when he's off then who do you go to right and then when you're not shooting well when people like Norm Powell or Kyle Lowry isn't shooting the three well then you have no ability to score you can't pound it down low because you have Alex Len and Aaron Baines down low right so I think that is like a I think uh, concerning uh, thing Abaka was a big loss yeah more than Gasol I think they miss him a lot like he was usually starting for them in the top in, in their five yeah but I think I don't know. Siakam hasn't impressed me at all. To me, he doesn't do anything at an elite level either. He doesn't have a a good jump shot. He doesn't shoot the three well. He drives pretty well, but I feel like the book's out on him now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching some video on him yesterday, or one guy was an- analyzing video on him, and he needs to go to his left mm-hmm. to so he can finish on his right because he can't go to his right and finish on his left. So now everybody knows that, and you can just see the way they're defending him. Mm-hmm. It was like against Boston last night, and the guy was so, like, it was a mismatch, and he was just completely taking away his left side, yeah. and Siakam did not know what to do. Yeah. The, the frustrating thing is with the, the Raptors, like, they've been win- they've been leading games by double digits in every single game this yeah. season, and they've lost five of them. They only the, won against the, the Knicks. They right? completely just lose momentum with bad shooting and then, like, yeah. bad defense. I think the most concerning thing for me, and, like, if I'm Nick Nurse, this is the first thing I'm going to Pascal saying, is that... He's playing bad on both sides of the floor, right? Like, mm-hmm. sure, like sh- even the best of the shooters go through droughts, but when you're playing bad on both ends of the floor, I think if I'm Nick Nurse, I'm telling him, focus on your defense. Like, yeah, let's get you locked in on defense. Kind of 
and then work on your offense later but like first yeah. like let's get you back to the player you were defensively and then focus on your offense a cool stat that i i found in looking at his plus minus the raptors have actually outscored their opponents with him on the bench in all but one game and they also well they also won their only game with him not playing too Ex- right? exactly exactly <laughs> and the only game that they won when um the the raptors didn't outscore the other team with him on the bench uh with san antonio and he was minus four and they lost by five so mm-hmm. only one point difference um i was gonna say as well uh, a cool stat as well i guess not cool stat but a concerning stat um i think raptors they're last in the league right now in rebound differential per game i think they're yeah. at minus eight and a half yeah, yeah that's another point to Baca, a, though, yeah, yeah yeah and they're not winning in the paint they're not taking enough paint shots. No, they, they're just relying on the three. They're yeah. relying on the three way too heavily, especially for the the guns that they have. Yeah. They don't have a lot of pure bred like three point shooters. Yeah. Um. And I read a stat the other day. They're they're first in terms of how quickly they take the three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a possession, and they're twenty third in shooting percentage. So if you're taking them that quick, you're you're not taking good shots. The That's thing what is, it means. Though, I think like majority of the time they're getting clean looks though. They're just not making them. Yeah. But but sometimes like when you're not shooting like I mentioned this before like you just have to work the ball inside when yeah. like regardless of how open the shot is like you have to work the ball inside and like what I mentioned before is the problem is like when Pascal's not on who do they work it to right mm-hmm. you said uh, Kyle Lowry's their best player so do you feel comfortable saying Raptors are winning anything with Lowry as their best player because I'm still not comfortable in that well, I personally don't no and and I said at the start of the season like I don't think they're they're a championship team right now like I think they need another superstar to yeah. to contend against the teams in the league right now a relocation of Tampa Bay is that something as an excuse I or? mean I, I, like uh, sure I've been hearing things that like the, the crowds bo- booing them in Tampa and they're supposed to be at home but like everyone this year has gone through like yeah like the, i don't i don't think they're at a, a supreme disadvantage in, i guess they're living in a hotel yeah like yeah like to that point luca it's like i don't know if you can underestimate like fair. the team bonnie like they have a lot of new faces and yeah. you're in your hotel like you're quarantining the whole time it's not like you go for a team dinner yeah or like a team event like yeah like the crowd's one thing like everyone's in that situation That's but fair. There's no you can't bond and like get to know each other outside of the court, right? So that's fair. I thought like it's not like the reason that they're yeah, like this. It's start, yeah, like I think it definitely contributes. It's time for our favorite segment, the crazy bet of the week, sponsored by absolutely nobody. This week's bet is the Master Tournament of Snookers. And no, this game doesn't have to do with anything with Snooky Pale. <laughs> so just a quick background on the rules. Snook- Snookers is a Q game of 21 balls and one white ball. There are 15 red balls valued at one point, And there are one yellow, one green, one brown, one blue, one pink, and one black. Two to seven points, uh, respectively. You need to sink in a red ball first and then proceed with a different color. After a colored ball is sunk, it is returned to the exact same spot and then you proceed to sink in another red ball and so on until all red balls are gone from the table. Professional players, this is a cute cute little fact here, usually play the game in a sporting manner, declaring fouls which they have committed but the referee has missed, acknowledging good shots from their opponent and holding up a hand to apologize for for fortunate shots known as flukes. So boys, the matchup of the week is Sean Murphy versus Mark Williams. It will take place on Monday, January 11th at 2 p.m. The odds are Sean Murphy 1.72 and Mark Williams 2.1.
Lois, what do you guys think? Uh, this was a this was a tough one. You thought about it all. Yeah. I've been going back and forth, and then Mikey put on Murphy on the high range. Oh, some the highlights just on fire. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Sean Murphy. Um, head to head, he's on a three game winning streak over Mark Williams. Williams hasn't beaten him since the 2017 China Open. Um, so I, I'm riding Sean Murphy. Yeah, I don't think he's called the magician for nothing. And I was tempted to take the underdog, Mark Williams. Seems like a nice guy. But after watching that video Mikey was playing, I'm like, damn, this guy is just putting him in the hole. Um, That's what she said. uh, I'm I'm going Sean Murphy, the magician Sean Murphy. I agree with you, Luke. And the only reason why is because I love magic as a kid. His nickname is Magician. Going with Sean Murphy. Lock it in. Yeah, no, I'm on uh, Sean Murphy out. Like the boy said, I was watching some highlights, and the guy was absolutely on fire. Uh, the poor other guy didn't even get a chance to shoot. That's how that's <laughs> how much of a Terry was on it. To the audience out there, I think Luca's a little hungry and was thinking of Snickers bar, but Snooker <laughs> Snooker is singular. There's no S at the end. <laughs> no, I thought it was Snooker's tournament. No, it's a, it's a uh, Snooker. Snooker's show season begins on January 13th and before we get into some training camp headlines at the bench headquarters we have decided to make our way too soon 2021 player award predictions for the regular season let's start off with the hard trophy the most valuable player flip it to you pal um I'm going Connor McDavid he hasn't won the award since 2016 2017 whether it's been uh, due to games missed because of injuries or dry cycle potentially playing him I just think McDavid has an unreal season he's playing in that all Canadian division where he just lights up every Canadian team that he plays usually with the Hart Trophy they look at points they look at your team making the playoffs which I think Edmonton will Uh, for the Hart I have uh, Nathan McKinnon I believe right now the way he's playing he's the best player in the world I have him a step ahead of Connor McDavid the Avalanche team is gonna be absolutely dynamite they high fly they score a lot yeah I'm also going with Connor McDavid I think this is going to be a season for the history books when we look back on it. Even with the shortened season, he's going to be putting up ridiculous numbers. So I'm going Connor McDavid. Why? Because he trained with Matthews in the offseason? <laughs> Didn't have that in my notes. <laughs> Boys, I'm going to go with a dark horse here. I'm going to go, well, I guess it's a dark horse. Uh, Eichel. Um, oh, I fucking hate Eichel. That's a, that's a good pick. I like that. Uh, yeah, like so that. over the last two seasons, Eichel leads the Sabres with 160 points. With the addition of Taylor Hall, that could be the most powerful duo in the oh, NHL. Yeah. Look at you, uh, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did my research today. For and once. I think Buffalo gets to the playoffs, too. So there you go. That was, my, that was my fucking point right there. You're still in my point, man. You're still in my thunder. <laughs> Nonetheless, Eichel's one of the best players. He finished 10th in points last season and 9th in goals. Add in Hall into the mix, and it has an increased chance of making the playoffs. And also, Eichel winning the Hart Trophy. Yeah. yeah. No. I like that Hall's dark horse. Proven proven to be a tough player to play with he hasn't gotten gelled with everybody that he's played with and someone's on paper that you think are are going to be magic haven't been but if he does gel with with Eichel I like that pick thanks guys our second <laughs> award is the uh, Maurice Richard trophy leading goal scorer in the for the year uh, boys, what do you guys think? Um, we'll, I'll speak for the entire bench here. We're going to go all with Austin. No, I'm going to go with Austin Matthews. 
I think this is the easiest pick out of all the awards. I think last year he showed that he can be in the conversation, and he was. I think a full year with Marner helps him. He's an improvement over Nylander in his playmaking ability. And also a full year of Sheldon Keith. I think Keith. Th- Keith. <laughs> Keith, favorite Keith. Team, right? Yeah. Sorry, did you say Queef? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that makes the difference and, and propels him. And also, Pasternak's not starting the season. Yeah. So that takes out another potential candidate. Uh, so I'm all over Matthews on this one. Yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, unfortunately, I'm siding with Mikey with <laughs> Matthews for the Rocket. I, I also like like McDavid like being in that all-Canadian division. Like Matthews typically thrives playing against the other Canadian teams, especially when you're playing the Ottawa Senators uh, eight times in the year. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Austin Matthews. Yeah, I'm actually going Matthews as well, but only because he trained with McDavid. <laughs> <laughs> I have Aussie too. We're running. Wow, away, I, have, I should yeah. have just kept that. Yeah. Instead from the beginning. <laughs> exactly, instead of wasting everyone's time. Yeah, <laughs> camps is hard. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> All right, our third award is the Art Ross leads the league in points. I'll make it short and sweet. I'm going McDavid. I mentioned that he's going to have a historic year, maybe one of the highest points per game in NHL history. Um. All right, I'm going to go with McKinnon. I'm, I'm going uh, Hunter McDavid as well, same as you, Luke. I, again, I have him winning uh, the Hart Memorial MVP, so I think he does that by getting uh, the most points in the league. He's going to go on a tear in this new Canadian division. Yeah, no, I find it, like, I think it's hard to predict two different players in terms of the Hart and the Art Ross. Uh, so for that reason, I'm going to go Nathan McKinnon also for the Art Ross. The Norris Trophy, the top defensive player of the year. I'm going to go with Hedman. I just like him as a player. He's steady, solid, uh, short and sweet here. Hedman. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Yossi repeating. Oh, wow. I'm going to go with Dougie Hamilton. He shows all the naysayers, <laughs> including Peo, that he's an elite defenseman in this league. He deserves to be on Team Canada in 2022, and he deserves the Norris this year. I think before his injury last year, he was in the conversation. I didn't think he was going to win it, but he was in the conversation. I think he takes another step, as do the Carolina Hurricanes, and I think he's the Norris Trophy winner. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make a last-minute change. I had Victor Hedman as well, Luca, uh, but just to be different, I'm going to go with Kale McCarr. Or as Campy calls him, uh, Kyle McCall. Kyle. <laughs> He's an absolute stud coming off the rookie of the year. I know it's a little ballsy, like to on your second season to win the Norse, but like this guy has all the makings of being that next great uh, defenseman. With the Norse, too, as Mikey said in last week's segment, they typically uh, vote for like a guy who gets like the most points or like in the top conversation. And Kale McCarr, I think he's going to be in that top three in defenseman scoring, but he can also play a shutdown role as well. He's going to log a ton of minutes for Colorado. Colorado's probably going to win the President's Trophy as the the best regular season team. Um, so I'm going with uh, McCarr. Yeah, it's just, it just seems like it's a matter of time before he wins one. If it's yeah. not this year, it's gonna. It's it, just, exactly. And I kind of like those it's too odds. Too good of a young player. Yeah, yeah, I like those odds on him right now. Our uh, last award for the NHL season. I'm going to butcher this award name. But Vizina, am I? <laughs> the Vesna. Vesna? Yeah. The Vesna? Yeah. Vesna, yeah. For our last award, it's the Vesna Award, the best goalie of the year. Again, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning goalie, <laughs> Andrea Velosovsky. Vaskaleski. Hey, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Okay, He's so a practicing. I'm, I'm going to pick him. The Tampa Bay Lightning seemingly have the edge to an Atlantic, Atlantic division right off the gate. 
If he continues to rack up wins and posting career nor numbers while remaining healthy, I don't see why not. I don't see why he's not losing. Yeah, I have Vasilevsky as well. Vasilevsky, they're going to run away with it in their division. It's not that tough of a division that they're going to be in. Um, so I expect Tampa to come on top of it. Don't really see much competition anywhere else. Like I know Connor Hellbuck won it last year, but I don't see Winnipeg doing that well this year, potentially missing the playoffs. Um, I know Carter Hart's a, a, a sexy name right now for the Vesna, but I think Philly is very overrated. And I would not be surprised if they miss the playoffs in that tough division. Um, the one name that you always hear, Carey Price, if Montreal finds a way to squeak into the playoffs potentially, I don't think they will. So I'm going with Vasilevsky. Yeah, I want to go with Hart. I didn't go with him, and the reason wasn't that I don't think I don't think Philadelphia's overrated. I just think that division's very tough, and that he's not going to have many easy nights. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to go with Frederick Anderson. <laughs> He has a lot of great numbers against those Canadian teams. Uh, he seems to dominate a lot of them. And I think another reason why is the Leafs improved D. I think that helps, and that takes Freddie to the next level. And when you see when Freddie can get hot, and he can, he has the potential to, he can take the Vezina home. I'm going uh, a little off the board here. Uh, a similar reason to actually Mikey when he, when he said uh, Freddie, but I'm going Tuka Rask. So he's, he's playing in a contract year. There's a lot of talk about whether he's mentally in it. He left the bubble last year. Uh, but I think he's in, in it to prove himself. And I think he can go in and, and shut a bunch of teams down this year. So I have him kind of as a dark horse pick to, to win the Vesna. All right, boys. Let's uh, talk some Leaf, or Leafs talk right now. I, and one of the huge surprises of the Leafs training camp, it was announced that Jumbo Joe will start on the first line with Matthews and Marner. It's a very interesting place for Jumbo Joe to be on the line. What's everyone's opinion on Jumbo Joe playing with the young guns? Mikey, we'll flip it to you. At first, I, I didn't like it. I was like, oh, it's going to take a matter of two or three games, then Hyman's going to be on the top line with them. But then I also listened to Keith talk, and he said that he wants the third line to be more of a defensive checking line, and he thinks the line of Mikheyev, Kierfoot, and Hyman can be that. And I, I tend to agree with him there. And as well as what... who. How is Joe Thornton going to have the most impact on this team? It's not being on like the fifth line or the fourth line playing every other game, but with being with Matthews and Marner and being with the young guys and playing valuable minutes. Maybe he's not, I don't think he's playing 20 minutes a night, but he has to be playing with the good players to be successful and to have the most impact on and off the ice. So I, I like the experiment. I still am not a f huge believer in it but i liked a lot of the things that keith was saying I, I think it's a cute story for the toronto media to see thornton like the big old vet playing with the young guns um i just I, I don't think it makes sense like joe thornton at 41 can he keep up with the speed of mitch marner and austin mm -hmm. matthews he's going to be lost in the shuffle real quick and i i'd be one for playing that top line of matthews and martyr 20 minutes a game i think they have to yeah joe thornton i don't think he can play more than 12 in a game right now um, so I, I don't see that line lasting. I, I just think like the, the bigger of his impact is going to be off the ice, right? Like yeah. so, like like maybe yeah. maybe he's not on a fourth fifth line, exactly. but like it doesn't necessarily have to be on the the first line. I thought you made a great point. Like if you're relying on Joe Thornton to make an impact for you on the ice, yeah, you're probably not in a good position. I don't think they need to. Yeah, uh, but I don't I don't necessarily disagree with what Mikey said. Like I wouldn't play him on the fourth line either. Um, I think the third line might be fine for him. He's, he's pretty responsible yeah. in his own zone too. I think he ends third up on the third line. line. Yeah, I like I like Kierfoot yeah. on the wing better than center as well. And yeah. right now he's slotted in 
in the third line center role. Although he's hurt too, he's day to day. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I love a Hyman on that top line. Yeah, he's such a, he's so good at fetching the puck for those two. Yeah, he consistently gets it. His forechecks are relentless. He does a lot of things that don't show on the score sheet for that line, and a lot of the success that that line has is because of Hyman, and I think they'll miss that more than what Thornton can bring. Just a question, Mikey, on a word you used before. You use the word experiment. So I'm just curious, like, if this is an exper- experiment, why would you start the season with an experiment? Like, I understand, like, maybe midway through the season if things aren't going well, but, like, why why even bother starting the season with it? With the, the Thornton experiment? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I think a lot of the reason is that Keith, they, th- they thought in the offseason they want to become tougher to play against. And one way to do that is to create that checking line to mm-hmm. play against the top forwards, the other team's top forwards. They've also addressed that in other ways in getting Simmons and Bonazi- Bogosian. Bogosian. <laughs> <laughs> I'll learn that one. Once I hear it on TV, I'll Bogosian. Be- Bogosian. Yeah. I'll become fluent. Um, Put that on yeah. the list for next week's last thing to go but I don't think maybe I used the wrong word in an experiment. I think Keith and Dubas have both had a lot of time to think about this. Yeah. But do I think I, I'm not a huge believer in it right now. I like their reasoning, I guess. I don't yeah. think it lasts a full game. I was just going to say, at the end of the day, it's not set in stone for even a yeah. game. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's one. And it was one day too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like classic oh. Toronto media. <laughs> We're getting excited. <laughs> the only thing I want to say on the barzell thing is when all the stuff was happening with nylander and everyone's like oh if lou was here this would never be happening well it's happening weren't you one of those people <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> i was <laughs> but i point, think though. i still think i yeah i still think it will get done and it will get done before the season it will not become a distraction All right, well, that wraps up episode five. Thank you to those who have been listening so far and a special shout out to those who have been with us throughout. Uh, So special shout out goes to Anthony Pizzuti, Mike Pale, Renato Campanolo, of course, Mikey's dad. Uh, But we'll be back next week for episode six. Bye.